you spend however many years figuring out how to do X, Y, and Z, and then come in and say, well, I, I can fix your problem in 10 hours, 40 hours. Yeah. They don't really care, nope. but it's everybody still is wrapped up in that hourly mm-hmm. mindset. Welcome one and welcome all to another episode of Analysis Paralysis. Today I'm here with a new guest, Nathan Lee. He is starting a podcast of his own around specifically Zapier. And for those who are unfamiliar with Zapier, it's an automation software. So he reached out to kind of interview me to talk a little bit about Zapier. So the first maybe three minutes or so is a little bit of my background. So if you've heard that before in a prior episode, feel free to skip. Or if you're just not interested, feel free to skip as well. Um, You can jump to about the four or five minute mark. And that's where we kind of just dive in and talk about some various things about school. Zapier, um, where you can go to learn more, and this should be an interesting episode. I'll try to link his podcast once it's released in the show notes, so definitely be sure to check that out as well. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, Nathan Lee here, and I have Alex Bass, founder and podcaster here today. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going, Uh, man? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, no. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate (laughs) it. Of course, for sure. Who are you and and can you tell me a bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Alex Bass. My company is Cyberbytes Inc. I started it about eight and a half years ago, and when we first started, We did web development and online marketing, and we did that for about four or five years. I was going to college full-time as well, triple majoring in management marketing and entrepreneurship. So I always knew that I was going to be in that, like, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, whatever that meant. And then here I am in my my business making $5,000 a year for the first four years. So, like, is that what an entrepreneur is? And, like, it it was a messy area. Um, I was working for my stepdad's company as well. He runs a construction company and I was really just maintaining his website. He was like our main core client. Um, Then from there, we kind of expanded a little bit, got a few more clients. And I very quickly saw that being in sales is is difficult. You need to to grow your business. You need to be a good salesman, salesperson. And I, I wasn't, I was a good developer. I enjoyed that. And I realized very quickly that being an introvert and not great with sales was not going to help my company grow. So from there, I really started learning on how to sell a little bit more, going to networking events, trying to get out of my comfort zone and talking with people more. And then I started to actually transition and pivot more into the IT space because I saw I was going to these networking events where there are other web development companies and things like that. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sell them web development. They, they're they web development companies. So what can I offer them as a service and, and use some networking skills and things like that to see if I can sell them? And IT was that solution. So I talked to some people, actually sold uh, a couple of clients in the IT space specifically web development companies. So I really felt like I knew what their business was like and I knew what their IT had to look like because I was the same business. So then from from there, I, I pivoted fully away from IT over to automation, 
uh, efficiency and process. Because the more that I got intertwined with these businesses, I saw like, great, I can manage your IT for you, but your process for a new lead coming in is so broken and you're not closing you know, people because you're, you're still creating proposals in Microsoft Word and, and creating a PDF from it. Like, why don't we look for other solutions? So I dove into like the PandaDocs of the world and uh, the CRM space and, and, and help desks and things like that. And I found this love for these other software solutions that were built. And then the biggest thing that came into play was how do we integrate this together? So I'd implement a piece of software for a client, maybe a CRM, and then they would be like, great, well now how do we do a proposal? And I would have to figure out how to integrate their proposal software with the CRM. And then we really just pivoted into an integrations company. So that's where we're at right now. It's very much process. Um, going in, evaluating the various processes of, of various departments within the company, implementing software, making them speak to one another, and then integrating everything together and, and, and helping them out maintain it. So that was, that right. was a quick background of my entire <laughs> business career. <laughs> did, did school help you with that at all? Or was it uh, you learned more once you actually started trying to do stuff? Yeah, so I'm one of those people that spent a ton of money, just just under 100 grand on school, and I feel like it was a massive waste of money um, because 99.95% of my day-to-day has been self-taught. So even when I learned web development back in the day, that was from yeah. Google and YouTube and, and just playing around in it. Um, having a, a living company that you're trying to sell, say, hey, you know, I'm going to charge you X amount per hour or, you know, five, six hundred dollars a month. You have to really show them value in exchange for that. And, and school yeah. doesn't teach you that. It, it teaches you general concepts of like of the market as a whole and the economy and things like that. But really like working with the company and understanding that I'm charging you in exchange for a valuable service and how do I make my service come off as valu- valuable? Because it's not, I can't just tell you that my service is valuable. The, the customer needs to see value in it and you it's very difficult to convince them on that. So it's like that you just have to dive in and try to sell companies and see when you maybe say the wrong thing on a sales call and see how they react. And then yeah. if it doesn't work well, then you pivot, you change it, you try something different, you play one pricing like you just got to throw random stuff out there they don't teach you that in school either where it's like no. you should be charging this much um i learned a lot of that from like podcasts and and youtube so that's oh yeah me yeah, too for sure yeah the the value conversation is very interesting because mm-hmm. i don't think a lot of schools really talk about it they talk about it in this like mm-hmm. abstract way oh you need to bring value to mm-hmm. your customers but like they don't really explain what that means in the day-to-day like operation of like life and stuff like that and and people are so intertwined to to think in the sense of exchanging hours so most people are working on an hourly basis or they may be on salary but they can still equate that to hours so say you're making forty thousand dollars a year on salary but you're working 40 hours a week, you can very quickly equate to what your hourly you know, wage is for that. So mm-hmm. most people think in that way. So then when you're speaking with business owners, one of the first things they're going to say often is, what's your hourly rate? And then if you throw anything out there, you're then bottlenecking yourself because it's like you really need to have the conversation about, well, what are you looking to have done? You know, for, for us specifically, it's figuring out like what the wasted time and what level of efficiency we can get them. So if we can save yeah. them 40 hours a week, yeah, like at the end of the day, we may be charging them $30,000 a year for our services. But if they are saving $60,000 a year, $70,000 a year, and they're becoming more efficient from it and consistent, 
and they're selling more because of it, that value exchange is, is so much there. But if I went in there and said, hey, we're charging $1,000 an hour, people would be like, yeah, okay, buy, I'm gonna find someone else because there's absolutely someone cheaper than you. So you just have to get out of them that hourly mindset. Yeah, that, that hourly equation almost does, it devalues your, your experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, like, well, you, you spend however, however many years figuring out how to do X, Y, and Z, and then you can come in and, say, well, I, I can fix your problem and it doesn't matter, 10 hours, 40 hours. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, like, they don't really care, nope. but it's everybody still is wrapped up in that hourly mm -hmm. mindset. They're like, well, I don't want to be taken for, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to pay too much for it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. at the end of the day, what I've learned as well, too, is that, like, Okay, so we typically figure out our project pricing based on hours. So we think it's going to take about, say, 40 or 50 hours for this project. We will do that multiplied by kind of our standard hourly rate. But then from there, if we ever charge more than it takes, we just, the thing is, we always want to give a very high level of customer support. And you don't realize how much time goes into project management and customer support throughout a project. So if there's a client that we end up like going way, uh, you know, below spending a lot less time than we had thought, we then go above and beyond and we do more and maybe they want to do another project and we'll give them a discount on it or we'll just take care of it as part of it. Like we don't ever want to make it feel like our client is being taken of, um, but we want to give that level of support. And the only way you can give that high level of support is you need to charge for it. You can't give a high level of support and not charge for your time or else you're not going to even want to give that level of support or give up your weekends some weekends because a client's running into an issue you want to be you want to have a smile on your face on the weekend helping out your client because you just genuinely want to help them you don't want to be mad about it so you need to charge for that All right yeah so how how does zapier fit into the equation for you so Zapier, very early on, I actually knew nothing about APIs. Um, I, I was aware of that that term existed, um, application programming interface or something. I knew along the lines like what it stood for, but I didn't actually know what it meant. Um, so this is when I was more in the IT area. And I really dove into the, the integration space where it was like, okay, well, I need to integrate with these these various pieces of software, how do I do this? Oh, I need to use APIs. Okay, well, time to learn what an API is. And then through that research, I found Zapier. And Zapier was that connecting tool of connecting software. So it's like, okay, well, I need to connect, um, you know, copper with, uh, with Gmail, for example. And it's like, well, how do I do that? Oh, wait, Zapier has a connector for copper and a connector for Gmail. That's, that's cool. So then I used Zapier and through using it, I realized how APIs worked. It, it was like this boilerplate uh, user interface for connecting two apps together. And it just made so much sense at that point. And then I started showing all of my developer friends, hey, have you heard of Zapier? No, I haven't. And I showed them like, wow, this is a big thing. So this was probably about, um, I want to say 2015, 2016. So Zapier had already been out for a bit. I think they came out in 2011 or so. And they started picking up steam around 2015, 2016. So we started jumping on that. And we realized like, hey, the, the, there's a lot of value in this. And then as our Zapier bill started going up on a monthly basis, we're like, okay, well, we actually need to charge monthly for these Zap integrations because like, there's there's a pretty substantial cost associated with it. One of our early clients, we were spending like three, $400 a month in, in tasks. So we're like, well, how do we build out a business model such that we can continue maintaining these integrations that we've built, update the API integrations as they break or change, 
and maintain Zapier. So Zapier just became this core fundamental to our to our service um, and versus building something of our own as well. And it was also the, the, the training blocks of me learning what an API was and how it worked and, and you know, where it fit into the puzzle. So did do your clients know that you're using Zapier or, or is that just uh, something you're using internally? So our our best clients are ones that don't care. <laughs> it's like right. um, they understand that we're doing a service for them and they know that they're not the expert in this space, that, that we just do what we need to do and we charge them for it and they're happy because they're growing and they're being efficient and things are working well. Um, some clients, yes, like we just finished up a client a project where they actually invited us over to their Zapier account. So they already had like a Teams account, which is the highest tier that you can have. And we just built out, we actually took a 60 step uh, Zap and we refactored it. So we talked about the process, we refined it and we used new software and we brought it from a 60 step Zap down to a 14 step Zap. And that saved them, um, they're essentially paying like three, $400 a month uh, for the automation. So that cut that down substantially, uh, just their, their pricing. So it went from like 600 a month down to like 150 or 140 uh, wow. per month for that. So that was just a, a scenario, which we don't do that too often. I wanted to give it a go. I wanted to see what it would be like, cause they're not really a recurring client of ours right now. It was just a one-off project. And I really don't, don't like doing one-off projects, but when you meet someone super technical, so they were already fairly technical. They had this massive zap built yeah, they out. They already had a zap. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think I've been learning more and more is while we can help technical companies using Zapier, people that are using Zapier are often too technical for us, actually. And and it comes into where we're more training okay. them. So we've actually built out uh, another tier of our service just called, uh, just like a uh, service level agreement, SLA agreement. So that in that scenario, they manage their Zapier account. And we are more there for like critical support. So maybe if if we're that safety net. So if they can't figure out how to do something, we'll meet with them like once a month, for example, have a, a call. So it's a lot cheaper than our other services, but it's more their infrastructure, they're maintaining it. Whereas most of our, our other service where all of our clients are on, um, that's more, it's on our Zapier in, infrastructure. We maintain it, we get alerts. So when there's an error in someone's Zap, it gets sent to us, put into our support ticket system and it gets added to Asana and we can maintain that. So the biggest thing is if you wanna use it on your infrastructure, great, well, we can't be that monitoring aspect because you just do not integrate with our uh, our systems anymore. So that was kind of the biggest value prop of, of getting them on our software service. Um, not to mention we get better pricing on Zapier because we're using so many tasks across all of our clients that right. you just can't beat that. Um, so most, most of our clients will just use like two, 3,000 Zaps, or sorry, tasks a month. Um, and you're going to be paying a decent amount of money on a monthly basis for that. And you're not going to get things like paths, which are like new integrations and things like that. Um, there, there's certain benefits you get as you go up higher tiers. So it really just comes down to it, it makes sense sometimes for them to be on our platform. Other times it doesn't. Most of the time they know. And our best clients are ones that don't care. Um, that That's right. what we've been able to see. Yeah, right. Like if if you're providing them a service mm -hmm. and it that it's ideally paying for the for itself yes. they're not going to care mm -hmm. that you know what their zapier bill is because they've got you know another business process that is contributing to like the bottom line there mm -hmm. and and yeah. what i've seen most often too is 
the people that contact us who are using Zapier internally pretty heavily, it's normally like the president of the company or the vice president. And it's like, should you really be spending your time inside of Zapier and being that technical? Like the, the president of the company is not supposed to be inside of the day-to-day of, of a specific piece of software that doesn't totally make yeah. sense, like doing the integrations and stuff. So I think some of it just comes down to we're trying to find that niche where maybe the, the larger businesses that we deal with, because right now a lot of our businesses are small businesses, so below 25 employees, like we're talking like small, small business um, in, in regards to the term or whatever, but most of our clients are between like five and, and 15 employees. And it, at that point, uh, it, it we're working with the CEO or the president, and that's normally someone that tried messing around with, you know, a CRM and Zapier and all these different things like that. So, they're probably the one that has the knowledge, though, of like the whole business where sure. they they're they're the ones that can actually do that. Like uh, developers are are great, but they often don't like understand the full motivations for a business yeah. doing anything. Right? They're just mm-hmm. like that. That's just their role. Like they're not usually they stay away from sales like oh like, yeah like as far as as possible away right and so and, I, I could totally see a, a, that type of person that's what well that's why it makes sense yeah. to talk to them like so like when we yeah. when we build out the process we love speaking to someone higher up within the company that understands you know how does the sales process need to interact with the the project management or production and then then admin and, and billing and you know maintaining all of that yes we need someone high level we can't just talk to someone from the sales department and expect them to understand how admin works so it's more of our approach is kind of like yes definitely speaking to that point per uh, that 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 president or ceo of the company and then involve or uh pulling in maybe someone from the sales team that is really heavily within sales to build out that process and then production and then admin so it it we're really involving maybe one person from each department and then that main, you know, CEO role in order to tie everything together. Cool. So um, would you say there's a like a sweet spot for Zapier? Is there a certain size of company where it makes most sense or doesn't make sense? So I, I think Zapier is good for a few different reasons. Like I taking outside of like my business and, and what what the type of client that we're looking for, I think anyone should jump into Zapier and play around with it just to get an idea of what can be done. So most people don't understand that when a lead comes in on your website, it say that you're using Gravity Forms within your WordPress site or you're using Squarespace or Shopify or whatever you're using, that each data point, so the, the first name, the phone number, the last name, those are all little tokens that can be passed to other pieces of software. So like think to yourself, are you manually taking an email that comes in and then going to your CRM and adding first name, last name, phone number, uh, address, and then you're going to your admin software and you're doing that. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like play around with that. That's a very simple scenario where you could jump into Zapier, set up a trigger for you know whatever that form intake is, and then have it pass over to your CRM and then into your invoicing software. And you'll very quickly see um, hey, this this makes sense and it's valuable. So I think for even a very small business, it, if you just explore that, it will start getting you as a business owner thinking in an automation and process mindset. And I think that's invaluable. Before you work with a company like us, um, I would love for you to already be in that mindset. For for us to come in and have to train on 
the idea of automation of, of what is the purpose or the value that makes our job harder to sell value. Whereas if you've already seen a little taste of what could be done, we could bring it to the next level. So I, I guess I implore anyone to jump in and start playing around with it just to get an idea of what you can do with it. And then uh, you're going to start having ideas of like, oh man, it would be so cool if we can do this and this and this and this now because we're already doing this. And that's where I really think uh, it starts to connect. But you, you need to be exploring it first before you even get in that area. Right. I, I could see your documentation background really helping in that aspect, yeah. right? Because like you need to know what's happening first before you can automate anything. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Understanding the process and how it flows because, yes, it's it's um, I, I think that you should just jump in and kind of play around with it initially because otherwise I think – it's easy to get caught up in documentation of like, at least it is for us at times where it's like, well, okay, well, sometimes it needs to do this and this and this, but other times it needs to do this. But, you know, there's that edge case of it happening here and here. And then it, you go down this this rabbit hole of all these edge cases. And it's like, don't worry so much about that. Like build something that works 80% of, of your process and then you'll slowly adapt it. As that edge case comes up, now you just fix it, tune it a little bit. Because that, maybe it that doesn't last... come up. Yeah, exactly. And then you just save yeah. time to not have to deal with it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if if someone were to start working with Zapier today, uh, what where would you suggest they start? Um, I would probably say there there is they have a bunch of training videos and things like that showing out various different tools. So like there's formulas. Um, I, I think I'm actually going to be recording for, there's a YouTube channel that I reached out and I think I'm going to be recording like a basic setup of Zapier to like show um, how like filters work. So here's a very important aspect that I think a lot of people don't understand when they're initially playing with Zapier is you need to rely on filters. And what a filter is, is essentially like an if else statement. So you have that initial trigger come in that says uh, first name, last name, phone number, email address. And then you have the next step being a filter. And that filter could simply say, does that first trigger have an email address? If it does, then continue. If it does not, then, then don't continue. Because now if someone fills out your form, they don't have an email address and you want to maybe have it automate an email back to them, whatever the, the workflow and process is, you want to stop that automation from running if it can't run because the, the details that came in don't exist or they aren't what they should be. So you're going to want to use filters a lot and most people don't know. So another good example to using filters would be like in your CRM, you mark someone as one, for example. Most CRMs have a trigger action that says when status is changed. So the thing is, if you don't set a filter and say only continue if status equals one, then it's going to run this automation when it's marked as one lost or abandoned. You need to say stop, stop, stop only run when it's marked as one. And and if you don't understand that filter aspect, then you're really going to miss out on a lot of the value of what you can do with Zapier. So I think understanding some of those core fundamentals, uh, filter is absolutely the, the number one core fundamental that you need to understand with Zapier. And then also if you filter stuff out, it doesn't charge you for the task. So if you have an action or sorry, a, a trigger that comes in and then a filter and it filters it out, you don't get charged anything. It only charges you if it continues past that filter. So you're also going to be saving money as well by, by creating that and, and things like that and you'll really understand how to use the system um, at the end of the day I say just play with it uh, play with it watch YouTube videos there's more than enough content out there and I think there's more and more you know uh, people like you for example too like creating a podcast 
around Zapier, like listen to stuff like this, um, watch YouTube videos. And, and I think as Zapier continues growing, there's going to be more and more content that they're creating and uh, people like us are creating as well. Right. So it probably makes at least a little bit of sense to play around with Zapier first before you get somebody like yourself involved, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. it, I think it helps, but also having that open mind of like, just because you've used Zapier does not mean that you want to be the one that maintains it all. So we get that too, where sometimes someone just set up a Zapier account once and we bring up the idea of like, okay, well, we're going to take it over. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, uh, why can't we maintain it? It's like, well, it doesn't build into our systems for us to maintain it. So it's like we do get scenarios at which people are just like, well, I've used Zapier. I've done a couple of things with it. Therefore, we should have our account and we should be able to do whatever we want to do with it. Uh, I get worried giving access to some of the stuff that we're building. And there's a lot of intellectual property too that we're building into some of these apps as well. We're using custom code snippets that we're building specific for the customer. And that's where I think that value aspect comes into play too, where if we may have spent 40, 50, 60 hours building out a zap that we're using across a bunch of our clients. And if we just gave you that zap, we're talking about you know tens of thousands of, of dollars um, that we've invested into building this and we'd just be giving it to you. And yeah. we need, we need to, there's, there's a back and forth there where I don't want to be unreasonable, but like we have to be careful to protect, um, our, our IP as well when we're helping you. And that's, that's where that whole thing comes into play where we, we have to just figure out, you know, just stay open-minded about if you've used Zapier, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should continue using your account, but just, it, it makes sense to play around with it and have an idea of how it works or use it internally for smaller things. I think there's, there's always... no reason you can't have two Zapier accounts. Exactly. Anyways, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You, you have one for internal stuff um, that, yeah. that you can do. And I think that makes a ton of sense. And, and plus, like, if the customer has control over that full account, they can go in there and inadvertently mess things up. Yes. And cause problems really for everyone, not only mm -hmm. the people working on it. Yeah, and that's something that we have to be careful like in our service level agreement account where it's like, we will support the zaps that we create, but what happens if the client then goes in and adds a bunch of steps and breaks things? And it's like, is this supporting our zap or are we now supporting your zap? Like it, it that line gets blurred. So that's where I try really to stay away from that area because it gets really messy very quickly where we just end up becoming bug fixing or like, oh, we wouldn't set it up that way because it's not going to scale in the future. But, you know, they don't necessarily know because they haven't been working, you know, in Zapper and automation for, you know, three plus years. That's right. Um, would you, so if somebody is looking at Zapier, um, where would you suggest, uh, like what would be some of the reasons they might not want to go with Zapier like uh, sure. I, as with any product I'm sure there's issues yeah so from what we've seen there's a couple other competing project or uh, products that do some things a little bit better in certain areas so um, I'm going to throw out trade.io and I, I a little bittersweet throwing that out because I've had a bad experience with them in many aspects but there's some things they do very well they're very geared toward the enterprise space. So I think to even get slightly involved with them, they're going to start charging you, I think like $450, $600 a month. And that's like the lowest wow. tier that they have. So they're expensive, but like, so a good use case is with, with our CRM, for example, if you're using say Ring Central, um, how do we automatically log phone calls? So once you hang up the phone, 
it logs into the CRM automatically. There's a trade.io integration between Copper and Ring Central, for example, that will automatically log those calls. But we're talking about this might be, you know, 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 uh, data points that gets pushed over each month because multiple things are happening each call that each one of those is kind of a data point that needs to take into place. So you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of, of touch points. A, that wouldn't totally make sense in Zapier. A, it wouldn't really be cost effective and B, you can't really do these looping and things like that that can be done in some of these other programs. Um, I know that like Copper have partnered with Trey where you can reach out to them and say, hey, I only want this one. And they might charge you like 40, 50, 60, $70 a month just for one integration because they kind of get like bulk pricing with the partnership that they have. So there's like very specific areas at which I would say like use something like Trey. Um, I've also heard that, uh, what is it? Integromat handles like arrays better than Zapier. And so I guess if that was a thing where it's like if, if you're dealing with data sets that have tons of arrays in it and you need to pull data from those arrays and maybe you don't know a coding language like JavaScript or Python to be able to manipulate that array when it comes in to then format it how it needs to be for Zapier to, to take care of it, then maybe something like Integromat would, would be good as well. Um, I only, I've played with these other pieces of software and at the end of the day, I definitely determined that like Zapier is the cutting edge uh, area of this. And yes, there's a lot of competitors out there, but I think Zapier has their head on right and just the number of integrations that they have. So I would say check Zapier, see if they have an integration that you need. If they don't have an integration that you need, then maybe go check out some of the competitors, um, go check out Integromat, maybe they have an integration. Um, if, if no one has an integration or say that Zapier doesn't have an integration, that doesn't mean that you can't use them. Uh, we've used the webhook functionality within Zapier quite a bit as well. So for example, like Asana, some, some of these integrations are limited and you can bake into their native API via a webhook and actually do more things with it through Zapier. So Zapier isn't totally just limited to what the integration is. You could do a lot more with that. So I've never really hit a scenario which I'm like, I can't do this with with Zapier. I need to go find something else. I haven't really hit that because there's so many workarounds and ways to do it or using custom coding to figure it out. Um, so I, I may be a little bit biased, but at the same time I've played with, whenever a new competitor pops up, I play with them. Like I, I, I wanna make sure that I understand what's going on in the space and what competition looks like. Zapier just has such a head start and a community behind it, though, that uh, none of the other companies have. So, Okay. Well, thanks for chatting with me, Alex. Um, I want to be conscious of the time. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go over or anything. Absolutely. So where can listeners find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to cyberbytesinc.com, C-Y-B-E-R-B-Y-T-E-S-I-N-C.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm not too crazy on social media, but it's just my name, Alex H. Bass. And uh, you can always shoot me a message there or email me directly at alex at cyberbytesinc.com. Um, I'm happy to talk about this stuff. And I love talking to businesses who are interested in automation and using it. Um, and you know stuff like this, You know, other people that are probably going to be listening as well, maybe they're not uh, someone who is specifically a business owner that's looking for a solution, but someone who's just interested in automation and Zapier and integration. Um, I would implore anyone who is more involved in the automation space to go check out the Zapier Experts group and, and look into joining that because there's a community of 60 or so of us and it's growing every day, um, automation people. And it, I think it's phenomenal to surround yourself with other people like that, like-minded people, and you're Absolutely. gonna you're gonna grow so much in the space, so. 
Okay, cool. Uh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll chat later. Yeah, for sure. Hey, thanks so much for your time as well. Speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Analysis Paralysis. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'm super excited to continue the podcast and to bring on more great guests. And I wanted to ask one quick thing. If those of you who are subscribed can shoot me an email at abass at aparalysis.com just to let me know why you subscribe, maybe what episodes you've enjoyed the most or what type of content you're most interested in. I would really love to gear this more and more toward those of you who are regularly listening to it. So if you could shoot me an email or just message me on Twitter, Alex H. Bass. So thank you so much for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.